Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Inside the GMHL podcast. My name's JR, and I'll be your host, as always. For this episode, we're going to be doing a little bit of a recap of the roster movement deadline, as well as the All-Star game. We have an interview with Meaford head coach Craig Sescon, and then we also have a few updates of news from the GMHL regarding a Hobie Baker nominee from the GMHL and the NCAA, as well as one of our players that's representing their team at the IIHF World Junior Championships. As always, we're going to start it off by looking at the division standing, starting off with our North Division, and we do have the first two seeds for the playoff seeding already clinched now. So the Bradford Rattlers, with their win over the rival Bradford Bulls last night, clinched up the first place spot in the North Division, and Marie by way of Bradford clinching first, has now clinched second. So the top two seeds in the North Division will be the Bradford Rattlers at 33-1-2 and, and the Vilmarie Pirates at 28-8-1. Those are the current records for those teams. Meaford and Temiskaming are in a battle for the 3-4 and four spot. Meaford currently has a five-point lead. Uh, Temiskaming does have one game in hand, and so that's going to come right down to the wire. My personal pick, I do think Meaford will finish off in that three spot. And then we have South Muskoka and West Nipissing, who are both battling for that 6-7 spot in the uh, GMHL North. And so West Nipissing currently has a two-point advantage by way of the extra win that they have. But they both played the same amount of games and both could finish in that 6-7 flip-flop and then play either Meaford to Miskamingville Marie or Bradford in the playoffs, depending on how it all shakes out. Bancroft is still at the bottom of the division with a 6-25 and 3 record, and they will likely be playing the highest seed in the first round of the playoff of the North Division. In the South Division, the magic number for the North York Renegades is now 3. 3 more wins for the North York Renegades, and they will clinch up that first place spot in the South Division. Bradford and Durham are in a fight for the second spot, so Bradford has a 1-point advantage over the Durham Roadrunners, but Durham has two games in hand, which is huge, especially considering that they do have a head-to-head matchup that could decide who finishes two and who finishes three in the division. When we go down to four and five, Niagara and Northumberland are in a tight battle there. It looks like Niagara might be able to finish off with a four seed just based on my prediction, just because Niagara's got the one-point advantage and two games in hand, and so they have a chance to be as far ahead as five points of Northumberland. St. George is also right there in that race because they all three have 33 32 and 31 points. Tottenham has 29 points, and so conceivably they could move all the way up to four, uh, but they have played more games than any of those other three teams that I just listed. The bottom seeds in the South Division are going to be Streetsville and Windsor, with 10 and 7 points respectively. And in the West Division, High Prairie, like I have predicted, is very close to securing that number one seed in the West Division. They have 31 and 3 and 0 record. Northern Alberta is nine points behind them, uh, 25, 7 and 1. Edson has been streaking lately. They've been playing extremely well. McKenzie still undefeated with the 14 wins and zero losses. Uh, Fox Creek, 10-24-0. Uh, uh, and Slave Lake, they're both tied with 20 points. Slave Lake has one game in hand. And then Kitty Matt, Gibbons, Burns Lake, and Tumbler Ridge round out the rest of the standings in the, in the West Division. Now we're going to take a look over at the statistical leaders in the GMHL this season. And so the race to 50 goals does continue as we have Ryan Hunter at 46. He's still got seven games left to hit that 50 goal mark and all likelihood he will. Out West, we have Terrell Schott and Jesse Swanson from Northern Alberta and Edson at 43 and 42 goals. Also at 42 goals is Ryan Fritz and Jordan Riviere from North York and Ville Marie. And then the Bradford Rattlers to Pond Levitsky has 41 goals, having scored in that game last night against the Bradford Bulls. 
Moving over to the assist, there's a clear leader in the assist column, and that is Ryan Fritz, 74, point, 74 assists in 34 games. Uh, Hunter right behind him with 57. Keegan Ferguson from High Prairie with 53. Uh, Leonti, Fritz's teammate, with 52 in 34 games. And then once again, Terrell Schott on the assist leaderboard, too, with 48 in 31 games. And then since the last recording, we have had our first two players reach the 100-point plateau. So Ryan Fritz and Ryan Hunter have both reached 100 points. Fritz is now the all-time leading scorer for the North York Renegades franchise. Hunter is approaching being the all-time point scorer for the Bradford Bulls franchise, but is now the all-time goal scorer. And so those players respectively have 116 points for Fritz, 103 for Hunter. Shot with 91 is in third, and then Leonti and Levitsky from North York and Bradford with 89 and 88. And then for game-winning goals, we have Ethan Many Bears leading the league with eight, Ryan Hunter with seven, and then Swanson, Fritz, and Leonti with six apiece. In terms of the goaltending leader statistically, uh, before it was all Durham, the entirety of all of goaltending categories had Durham Roadrunners all over it. Now it's all Bradford. And so, if we look at the wins leaders, it's Oliver Bellage with 18 wins in 20 games, followed by Ronson from High Prairie, Beausoleil from Ville-Marie, and then two North York players, Thompson and Lewicki, with 13 apiece. Goals against average, two Bradford players at the top. The Bulls' Ethan Sinsenegg, who played phenomenal last night against the Rattlers, uh, has a 2-1-3. Bellage has a 2-2-1 in 20 games. And then we get to Durham, so Zach Smirno and Blake Tarala with a 2-4-7 and a 2-4-8. And then Thompson from North York once again on the goals against average leaders at a 2-5-5. The safe percentage leaders, Ethan Sinsenegg once again uh, with a 9-3-8 in his 10 games played. Bellage with a 9-3-2 in his 20 games. Smirnu with a 9-2-7, and Thompson with a 9-2-3, before Bradley Bronson rounds out the top five with a 9-2-0. And then just the saves leaders there. We have Yaroslav Shibanu with 859, Tate Prachek with 807, Justin Sheets with 765, Sean Davis with 717, and then Robin Larson from the Knights with 711 saves so far on the season. Also since the last podcast, we had the 2022-2023 GMHL All-Star Game. And so the event in Bancroft, Ontario started off with a luncheon for all the players, coaches, and event staff. The league was honored to have guest speaker Brady Levold, the founder of Puck Support, which is an organization that focuses on supporting hockey players through addiction and mental health issues, speak with the players. Uh, and being at the talk and attending it, I, I got to say it was amazing. And I can't thank Brady enough for, you know, taking the time to come and speak to our players. Uh, that was followed by the U18 All-Star Game. And so that game started off pretty evenly matched. There was no score for about 10 minutes. And then Team White, which was the North and some of the West players, opened up the scoring at 10-21. Followed by their second goal, scored by Felix Tugas of the Bancroft Rockhounds, uh, which was assisted by his line mate, Xavier dumont Renaud. 20 seconds left in the period, Team Dark got their first goal of the night from Nico Andropoulos from the Renegades. Team White scored twice in the second with goals coming from Levitsky from the Rattlers and Kozlenko from the Titans. Team Dark answered back with a goal from Pavel Smirnov from the Northumberland Stars. And then the third period ended with two goals from Team White and one from Team Dark. So the final score was Team White doubling up on Team Dark 6-3. Stepan Levitsky was named MVP of that U18 All-Star game. Following the U18 game, we went to the U21 game, which was the actual like full-on all-star game. First period was intense, scoreless until five minutes when Thomas Kupek of the Meaford Knights opened up the scoring. Team White, which once again was made up from players in the North and the West, uh, scored their second goal with 56 seconds left in the period. 
Uh, second period had goals from Flanagan, Krupa, Beaverbones, Kupek for Team White, and Cronwit Webster from Team Dark. And then Team Dark had an excellent showing in the third with goals from Joseph Leonti and a hat trick from Trevor Urquhart. But Team White came on top with excellent goaltending from Kulikov of the Rockhounds, who had a shutout during his time between the pipes. Final score was, was Team White 12, Team Dark 6. And between periods, the fans were entertained with skills competitions. There was the shootout events, the the, re, the team relay events, and, you know, can't thank Bancroft enough for hosting that. And, you know, the town of Bancroft, the staff of the North Hastings Community Center, Bancroft Minor Hockey, obviously, everybody that was involved, the Eastmans for hosting, and then GMHL team staff and ownership. And so it was a great event. I was lucky to be there. You know, it was probably my eighth or ninth All-Star game in the league, and it was definitely top-notch. And the night before the All-Star game, we also had another event happen. That was the roster freeze and trade deadline. And so there were quite a few contenders out there making moves as right before or on the deadline day. And so the Bradford Rattlers added Chris Castrogano, Dylan DiTomaso, and Daniela Filipov, a forward and two defensemen. In order to make those moves, they traded Henrik Wickland, Wickland to the Durham Roadrunners and Zane Clausen to the Niagara Predators. The Temiskaming Titans added Braden Mitchell from the South Muskoka Shield. Meaford made a blockbuster trade to add Corey Richardson from the West Nipissing Lynx. The Renegades added Darius Manny from the Junior B Kamoka team. The Roadrunners added veteran D-man Josh Robinson in addition to Wickland that I mentioned earlier. And the Bradford Bulls added Swedish forward uh, Linus Selenvik, veteran forward Ryan Howe, and defenseman Brendan Gregg, who's returning from last year, and Maxwell Braden, who was the captain of the Preds. And so a lot of movement around the trade deadline this season as the contenders gear up for the playoffs. And speaking of Bancroft, the GMHL would like to recognize Xander Mueller of the Bancroft Rockhounds. So Xander is representing the Republic of South Africa and the U-20 IIHF World Championships in Istanbul. Xander has joined the Rockhounds this season. He's played 29 games. He has two points in the GMHL with 17 penalty minutes. Uh, the Republic of South Africa currently ranks 51st in men's hockey and 37th in women's hockey. Xander wears number 15 for his country and is in his second appearance of the U-20 IIHF World Championships. Last year, he had a goal and two assists for three points in five games. So far in this year's tournament, Xander played one goal game and scored his team's only goal, which was a loss to Israel. His team's next game, which was at the time January 27th versus Turkey, and then he also played yesterday versus Bulgaria. And so you can find the goal that he scored for his team, for Team South Africa, on the Bancroft Rockhounds Instagram. And you can also follow along on the IIHF uh, website. So best of luck the rest of the tournament, Xander. And congratulations on being selected to represent your nation. The GMHL also took the time to announce some huge alumni news. And so the alumni spotlight this month featured a player who started his career in the GMHL. He's now been nominated for the most prestigious award in all of Division I college hockey as Blake Bennett has been nominated for the Hobie Baker Award. So Bennett's first year of junior was spent with the Ravens. He was Halton at the time, now at St. George in 2014-2015. He had 39 points in 30 games. He played alongside his brother who would go on to win the MVP award that year before playing his own co professional in college hockey. 
Uh, following his year with the Ravens, Blake went on to play four years of junior hockey, eventually finding a year a home with the Corpus Christi Ice Rays of the NAHL. And it was during his time with the Ice Rays that he committed to AIC, the American International College. So that's an NCAA Division One school. It's a private school in Springfield, Massachusetts, that was originally established in 1885. He's currently in his senior year at AIC. He's the top point getter and the top goal scorer of his team with 16 goals and 9 assists for 25 points in 27 games. So far in his NCAA career, Blake has played 69 games. He scored 38 goals and 24 assists for 62 points, almost a point-per-game player in NCAA Division One. Congratulations to Blake from all of us at inside the GMHL podcast on his Hobie Baker nomination. You can go vote on currently underway at HobieBaker.com slash award slash vote for Hobie. Now we're going to take the time to send it over to an interview with Knights of Meaford head coach Craig Sescon. And so Craig actually had the opportunity to sit down with myself at the GMHL showcase. And so this was recorded about a month ago. But, you know, just awesome time talking about his experience playing major junior, his junior hockey career, his professional career, and then what it's like being with the Knights of Meaford so far this season. And so without further ado, we're going to send it over to Knights of Meaford head coach Craig Sescon. All right, we are here at the GMHL College Showcase for another interview. This time I have the pleasure of sitting down with Meaford Knights head coach Craig Sescon. Craig, how's it going today, buddy? I'm doing great, thank you. And so you're already here at the showcase. We're on the tail end of day two now. You guys came in, you guys got your two wins. How's it feel as a coach to be coming into the showcase, facing the South, and you know, coming away with two victories today? Yeah, no, we talked about it all week. You know, we knew it was gonna be an exciting time coming down to Niagara, seeing what the other divisions are all about, but we said you know, we came down here for results, four points. I put that on the boys, they responded. So obviously we enjoyed our time here and uh, picked up four points to top it off. And so the general consensus of what I've been talking to other coaches and managers so far at the showcase is that regardless of north or south, it's about coming here, playing your game, getting those two points, and then heading home. Four points in the case of the both days. Absolutely, yeah. I didn't want the guys to think these were meaningless games. Obviously, we know how big they are. They count for the season. So, you know, we wanted to continue our good habits, uh, picked up four points, and uh, now we look forward to Sunday. Now, whenever I have a chance to have somebody on the podcast, I always like to talk about their personal playing career as well so obviously you started your junior career and what's now the OJHL before you eventually you know transitioned into being a major junior player where you played for multiple franchises throughout that course I mean what was your experience like during junior hockey and is there anything that really stands out you know as a core memory throughout your junior playing career yeah no junior was great so I started my 16 year old year in the uh, OJ with the Burlington Cougars which was uh absolutely was a great time and I transitioned uh, from forward to defense as I was drafted that year to Plymouth. They were a little softer on the D side of things, so I tried out defense and ended up making the Whalers uh, my 17-year-old year and played four years in the OHL under Plymouth, Mississauga, and Peterborough. All three great organizations. Really enjoyed my time in Peterborough and was lucky enough to win a championship and play in the Mem Cup and probably my biggest highlight in my junior career. 
And so just touching base on that, I mean, you made that transition from forward to defense. As a coach, I mean, how important would it be to have a player that's that flexible, you know, with people coming in and out of the lineup? I know that Meaford itself has, you know, faced a few injuries throughout the course of the season. I mean, would you consider that like a huge asset to have a player that like, okay, yeah, you've been mainly playing forward so far, but we're going to need you on the back end for the next few games. No, it really is. It takes uh, not a special person, but a person to really understand all sides of the game. <laughs> And I found transitioning from one position to another, obviously it takes a game or two, but you got a general understanding of each position and, you know, the ice as a whole, the game as a whole, you know, you're not just stuck in your own end, you know, you're worrying about, you know, defensively and you get put on forward. So no, it was, it was great. I, uh, it helped me for my coaching as well, yep. that I got more of an understanding on the forward side of things now. And, uh, you know, all in all, it was uh, it was all great and, you know, educated me very well. Yeah, you were able to take that complete approach to the game, you know, look at it from both ends of the ice. Now, when I was doing a little bit of research and, you know, I just did the research, this interview popped up just a few minutes ago, but I noticed that you had played with some, you know, extremely successful players in the NHL at that point. Um, you know, James Neal, you played with in junior, the real deal, Bogo, <laughs> Zach Bogosian. Yep. Um, you know, and then, you know, obviously Stanley Cup winner Jordan Stahl as well. I mean, what was it like to have the experiences to be playing alongside these future NHL stars? And could you tell pretty quickly, like, which guys were going to be difference makers at the next level? You could. You see the guys that put the work in. And this is well before they were even a household name or drafted to the NHL. <laughs> but you could just see which guys were going to get there before that you know, they crossed that bridge. So playing with playing with Bogo and Stalzi was great. You know, I, got, I was lucky enough to play with Bogo as a yep. D partner, so he probably bailed me out out of a couple uh, situations. We'll leave that for another time. But uh, no, all in all, you know, there was uh, the work ethic, the compete level. Uh, you could just see it right at the beginning. And so following your junior career, you spent, you know, multiple years playing professional hockey. I saw you all over Europe as well, and you spent some time in the ECHL, the CHL. I mean, just take us kind of through what your personal journey was in professional hockey following your major junior career. Yeah, I started off in Idaho, played my first three, four years in the coast, and that was great. They treated us well, living the good life, kind of flying all those uh, touristy destinations, yep. California, Vegas, Phoenix, you name it. So the fun spots. The fun spots. It was a good division to play in. Uh, so I played my first six years in uh, in the States. And then when I hit 26, 27, I thought I'd kind of flip the page and head over to Europe and mm -hmm. try, try it out there. Ended up playing six years out in Europe. And it was great. I was able to bring my uh, wife and kids with me over there mm -hmm. as I got a bit older. Uh, being able to travel, see the world, play hockey, get paid, it was uh, all in all, it was a great experience. Dream come true. Dream say. come true, absolutely. And so, you know, while you were making that transition from playing in America over to Europe, a lot, I know a lot of GMHL alumni honestly find themselves playing in Europe. I mean, I'm sure that you have, you know, friends or connections over there. Is that something that you hope to use, you know, during your time with Meaford? Saying, oh, okay, I think I have a really, you know, uh, skilled player here that could be a difference maker, you know, to, to somebody that you know overseas. Is that something that you've thought about? Yeah, no, I'm always keeping tabs on my ex-coaches or even, you know, still players that I've played with that are still playing in Europe and you know we're key it's it's nice the way with social media now it's so easy to keep in contact 100%. with them they can be on the other side of the pond and you're literally a text message away so it's uh yeah it's great and obviously you know we have Europeans that have come over to uh, Canada to come play and I know there is ambition for some of the uh, Canadians to go over to Europe and come play so 
Obviously, uh, we're years away from that, but you know, I would recommend Europe to anyone. It, it was great, and uh, yeah, no, it was good. That's why I played six years over there. So obviously, winning a championship like you did in the OHL, you know, that's a formative experience. Those teammates, I'm sure you still probably call your brothers and your friends, but that wasn't the only championship you had the opportunity to win because you were when you were in the EIHL, you guys also won the championship there. I mean, what was that experience like to get a professional championship under your belt? Oh, it was amazing, and you hit the nail on the head. I mean, those would be your brothers for life, you know championships these days they're, they're not handed out they're earned so you just saw the war you saw how hard guys work to get that and just to be able to lift that trophy above your head with a group you know essentially your family uh, was amazing and it's something you definitely cherish uh, for the rest of your life now coming into the showcase Meaford you guys were slotted into the fourth spot in the north division so you guys played the third and the fourth teams in the in the south division as well I mean well, how does it feel to be going into the Christmas break at this time, just before deadline? You guys have had some success. You guys got a little bit of a later start than most teams. I mean, but you guys have been showing that you guys can keep up with basically every team in the league. I mean, whether it's taking victories over um, the, the Pirates or the Titans or keeping games close against the Rattlers, you guys have had good games against the top of the division. Yeah, we've uh, we've put the work in. We obviously our training camp was a little bit longer than most teams. We didn't have the ice in our home rink, so you know I got some really good looks at uh, some good players. Tough decisions had to be made earlier on, and you know we've just tried to assemble the uh, best roster we could. Um, guys have really bought into the systems. They run a fantastic organization in Meaford. You know we really uh, focus on trying to run it professionally and take care of our players. Uh, Know, from top to bottom, everybody puts the work in, whether it's the coaching staff, billet coordinators, the players, billets. I mean, from top, it, it, it's great. I've enjoyed my time there, and uh, you know, it'll be nice to hopefully get another win here before the break and uh, get a couple weeks off. Now, a lot of the coaches that I've talked to in management as well, they say, you know, well, the playoffs might start in March or February or whenever it is. Essentially, once you pass that trade deadline and have your team that you've assembled that's going to be there for the rest of the season, that's essentially when the real playoff push starts. Is there anything that you plan to be, you know, preaching throughout January, February as you guys get set to hopefully make a long push for the Russell Cup? Yeah, I've said this since uh, almost day one now that we have a lot of guys on the roster, so... Essentially, the comp it, it starts in practice, and I've told them if you want to be in the lineup, it starts in practice because you got other guys are battling for your jobs, and there's, there's always a guy behind there's you. There's always a guy. Up that type yeah, of we you know we're at a point we have eight nine guys out a game, so just to solidify your spot in the lineup, it doesn't come easy. You have to earn it, and everyone who's playing every night has earned their spot in the lineup, and it's great because you keep guys accountable. You're able to go over film and see where breakdowns are taking part, but. Uh, and a lot of accountability. Into, moving yeah. into playoffs, too, I mean, you have the luxury of knowing that you have eight or nine guys that are also going to be working as hard as the people that you have in the lineup, right? Because you're creating the, that sense of accountability, you know? If you're not working hard, we have somebody who will work hard. And so having that flexibility going into playoffs, that's, that's a real luxury. Yeah, and for a lot of the year, we haven't been healthy either. So even though we had so many guys sitting out, we uh, had a few games where we were still short, some guys in the lineup, just with injuries and illnesses. So having those extra bodies is nice. It keeps guys accountable, keeps guys competing. Uh, I always stress complacency is not a good habit to have, and I feel that that kind of kicks it out the door when you have these extra bodies. 
and you guys are just about to head back to Meaford, so I'll, you know, I'll top it off on a light note here. You guys are about to jump on the bus. What would be your go-to road trip bus movie for any of your road trips in hockey? Your number one. Uh, maybe that's more for the younger generation. I'm, I'm a Will Ferrell guy. I don't know if they still find him funny love, or not. I love you know? Will Ferrell. So we got Step so, Elf, you know, all you that name type it. Of stuff. I mean, Elf would probably be a good one being a couple, uh, couple weeks away from the holidays here. So... I'll uh, be digging that one out and probably be throwing that one on here for the uh, three-hour three bus ride home. So. Well, heck yeah. I wanted to thank you so much, Craig, for coming on. That was Craig, head coach of the Meaford Knights. And thank you so much for listening to the GMHL podcast. Thank you. Appreciate it. And thank you so much once again for Craig for sitting down with us to join the podcast. The Knights have been playing extremely well. They're taking home victories over some of the other top teams in the league, including just on Sunday the 29th, just yesterday, he took home a win against the Vilmarie Pirates, which was the second in the league, uh, second in the North Division team in the standings. And so thanks for taking the time to sit down with the GMHL podcast, Craig. And the last thing that we are going to announce on the inside of the GMHL podcast is that we have an expansion team announcement. And so the Picard Center will be joining the GMHL North Division next season. And so the Picard were founded in 2019. They're based in Center, which is located near Valdor and Rwanda in the province of Quebec. Below is a quote from the Picard. So the Picard is a junior A hockey team based in Center since 2019, now managed by both vice president and former player Cedric Chantal and Jordan Bisson. They wanted to enter the GMHL to allow their team and players to have better visibility and quality hockey games. The town of Centaire offers and manages all the municipal services required by the community along with its partners. The city of Centaire seek to promote and stimulate economic, social, and community development. In touch with their community, the Bacard want to offer a program where young hockey players from Abitibi to Miskaming and all around the world can develop and grow as players and individuals. The Bacard is blessed to be able to count on its fans who are always present and proud to cheer on their team. For a couple of games, the Bacard had the chance to play in front of a maximum-filled 600-seat Andre Dubay Sportif Center, and the staff are excited to bring back their team into the GMHL and are now ecstatic to bring back that energy to the Centaires Arena. We hope that you have a great season, and we welcome you next season to the GMHL family. And that's going to be a wrap on this episode of the Inside of the GMHL podcast. Once again, thank you to everybody who takes the time to listen, to like, share, subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. I've been JR on this episode. As always, thank you so much for listening. Have a fantastic weekend, and we'll see you closer to the playoffs.